the prevailing assumption around North Carolina basketball is that Elliot Cadeau is going to be one and done. But what if he wasn't? You are Locked On Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Friday, July 7th, 2023. Welcome into the Locked On Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for joining us on today's episode. Man, and I want to say a special 50th anniversary. Congrats to Mike Bova and his wife. Happy anniversary to you guys, and thank you for your example of faithful endurance and love throughout five decades of marriage. And here's to many more years. Here's my water bottle. Here's to many more years of health and happiness to the both of you. Coming up on today's show, I want to take an opportunity to talk with Brian Smith, our football recruiting insider, about the commitments of two 2025 offensive players, Bryce Baker and wide receiver Keenan Jackson. But before we get to that, I want to attack this assumption that Elliot Cadeau is a guaranteed one-and-done player. And I'd like to do that through the lens of a question that came from a Twitter direct message from Brandon Mayberry, our guy Brandon, who's a faithful listener to the show, always we're having conversations on social media. So Brandon, thanks for this question. He says this, I'm currently listening to the part of the show today where you're talking about Cadeau and him more than likely being a one and done. I feel if he plays up to his potential, then yes, he will be gone after one year. But if he doesn't and decides to stay, does that hurt UNC's reputation for developing NBA-level talent? Going back to Harrison Barnes, while I was happy he stayed, I also felt it hurt the image of the program at the time because the number one prospect wasn't able to go one and done. Curious how you see a situation like this and how it affects the perception of the program. Great question from Brandon here. And let's, before we talk about the perception of that, I want to just get into the, the one and done idea of it all. Because I feel like there has been this assumption that Elliot Cadeau will be, beyond a shadow of a doubt, no questions asked, a one-and-done player. And that just is never the case, not even just with Elliot. Like, unless he comes right out and says, hey, listen, folks, here's the deal. Regardless of how I play this year, regardless of how the team does, if I'm first-team All-American or benched, I'm I'm going into the 2024 draft regardless of whatever happens. Unless he says something like that, there is definitely a greater than 0% chance that he could return to Carolina for a year two or more. Now, again, as Brandon alluded to, I think the more than likely thing that happens is that Elliot Cadeau is who we expect him to be. You heard Coach Kilby and I talk about all of that on Wednesday show for you every day as you heard that. I think that is, you know, if I were looking at at what is most likely, I think it is that. But I don't think we should be assuming that there is no world in which Elliot doesn't return for year two. Looking at the history of North Carolina basketball, there are only, unless I've just missed somebody, there are only seven one-and-done players. You can probably name them off. In fact, you should quiz yourself. Pause the show Stop it and see if you can name them off. I'm going to go chronologically here. Marvin Williams, Brandon Wright, Tony Bradley, Kobe White, Nasir Little, 
Cole Anthony, and Dayron Sharp. When you listen to that list of seven players, how many of those were, I mean, the list itself is short, but the list of guards on that list who were one and dones is even shorter. Now, it just so happens that they were back-to-back, Kobe White and Cole Anthony. So there's only two. And I think it might feel like it's more because they were back-to-back guys, but but that's it. Only two guards have been one and done in the history of North Carolina basketball. And only one of those was assumed to be a one and done coming in. Remember with Kobe White, I talked about this earlier this week, in fact, if I remember correctly. Uh, I know people inside the program, like the staff and others, pretty quickly realized Kobe was going to be one and done, but it took a while for the rest of us to see it. And not only that, let's think of all the high level, highly capable guards who were not one and done. And this will not cover everybody, but just think about it. Raymond Felton, Ty Lawson, both those guys were three years. Kendall Marshall, two years. Marcus Page, all four years. Caleb Love, three years. And he's going to play a fourth year of college. It is just not that simple, particularly for a, a point guard to go straight one and done. Now, Obviously, anybody can, right? Like anybody can choose it, as I joked earlier, regardless of their level of production. But it's the exception rather than the rule. And we've seen example both ways at Carolina of people who we thought might be one and done and weren't, and guys who we didn't think would be one and done that ended up being like Tony Bradley. To this day, I'm surprised that he left North Carolina after that 16-17 season. Kobe White talked about him. I didn't think either of them would be. And as Brandon asked, said in his question, everyone thought Harrison Barnes would be. He was, if I remember correctly, the first ever incoming freshman to be named a preseason All-American. He was number one in the class. And he stuck around for two years. Now, things have turned out just fine, thank you very much, for Harrison Barnes, who just signed another contract extension and is set to become the biggest earning NBA player in Carolina history. But in the short term, it, it often becomes like, oh gosh, Harrison Barnes didn't go one and done. We're pulling our hair out, right? Like that, that is the thing. Now think about this as well. In the NIL era, there are also examples of people who have great years and stay because they want to keep developing or they can make more money or whatever it is. So that that those are all possibilities as well. I mean, look at Going down the road to Duke, Kyle Filipowski easily could have gone in this year's draft. Tyrese Proctor, they both came back to Duke. I don't hear a narrative around Duke like, oh, they they can't develop talent because Kyle Filipowski and Tyrese Proctor are coming back. The, the narrative there is, oh, well, those guys, they could have gone, but they decided to stay. Way to go, Duke, right? And so to Brandon's question, it's like, that. why can't that be the narrative around Chapel Hill? Why can't? Elliot Cadeau have a phenomenal freshman year, but still decide to come back or even a, a really decent freshman year and come back. And instead of it being this national like, oh, North Carolina can't develop talent, it's, hey, Elliot Cadeau's coming back. That's great for North Carolina, right? Like that's the narrative we have to turn this into. Now, I will say this. One thing to keep in mind is that most draft experts I've talked to and read have suggested and thought that at least at this point 12 months out the 2024 draft class is going to be a bit weaker and so to that regard 
there are guys who are going to jump in next year that might not otherwise do so. So from that regard, it might make sense for Elliott to go ahead and leave if he does what we expect him to do this year. Here's my bottom line. If UNC has a wildly successful season this year, it's likely in large part because their freshman point guard had a wildly successful season himself and then would probably jump in to the draft. And the opposite, I think, is true. If Carolina isn't very successful this season, it's probably in large part due to the fact that Cadeau doesn't have a great freshman season. That's just the landscape of college basketball in this day and age. For this conversation for me, at the end of the day, I just want to get rid of this narrative and assumption that it is a foregone conclusion that Elliot Cadeau is a one and done. Whether it's because of success or lack thereof, or whether it's just because he wants to come back. Either way, works, right? And so he could be a one and done. He might not be. Either way, we'll have to wait and see. But the good news is, is that while we're waiting to see, in the meantime, we get to watch another year of Carolina basketball with a, a young man that many people expect to be one of immediately one of the best point guards in the country. And so let's watch it. Let's enjoy it for however long Elliot Cadeau is in Chapel Hill. And let's push back on the narrative that if he isn't a one and done, that Carolina has failed at development of NBA talent. Agreed? Agreed. All right. Well, from the floor general on the basketball court to a field general, UNC got a commitment last week from 2025 quarterback Bryce Baker. We've talked about him on the show, but we want to do so again with Locked On's football recruiting insider, Brian Smith. And I want to find out what about him is it that is just so special. But before we do that, I need to tell you that today's episode of Locked On Tar Heels is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets. Win or lose. That's 200 You can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to making a guess on who's going to hit the first home run of the game. And that's all on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Besides that, when you win, you get paid instantly on FanDuel. There's no better place to bet on MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Man, it's a great pleasure to be joined on a Friday by Brian Smith, our Director of Football Recruiting here at Locked On. And Brian, I hope you had a great 4th of July. We were just laughing about trying to avoid getting blown up by fireworks earlier in the week. But uh, man, it uh, it is great to be able to get on and talk about, first off, Bryce Baker today, who committed to North Carolina last week. Speaking of fireworks, 
Oh man, that's terrible. But this young man can blow it up on the field. And and Brian, I remember several weeks ago, it might've even been a month or two ago now, you reached out to me, not even me to you after seeing him at a camp and saying, listen, bro, we got to talk about this dude because he's electric and Carolina has offered him and now he's going to be a Tar Heel. Why is it that you're so excited about Bryce Baker? Number one, before I get into all the mechanics and all that, if you're going to have a quarterback in today's era, which means everybody having one of these around in case you screw up, <laughs> he's the right guy. Uh, Mr. Positive, wants to play hard, wants to work hard, everybody's buddy. He's the guy you want at the forefront of your program. I mean, let's be honest. When we go interview these kids and these coaches, the quarterback, they they want to interview him the most because it gets the most clicks. It gets the most conversation. That's how people make money off advertising. It's just true. <laughs> Bryce is going to get hammered at UNC and Chapel Hill because he's well-spoken, has the right answers, and he's just easy to get along with. As far as his play, I saw him at the Elite 11, and I, I was shocked. One of my buddies told me, hey, this kid's really good. Let, let me know what you think. I, that's my opinion. I'm like, okay. I, I had no any, no, no idea at all. He's from North Carolina. I live in Florida. Rollouts, quick throws, over the top, level one, level two, level three. He was as good as a player as there was there next to Aaron Nolan. Aaron Nolan, I think, is – I mean, he's going to Ohio State for a reason. <laughs> this kid's right under it, but he's a year younger. And the step that he took between his freshman and sophomore year and now getting into his junior year, like, this kid's going to be a top-five quarterback, quite possibly in the class of 25. And again, you add all those intangibles that I talked about off the field. And uh, the final piece, um, as Carolina fans are used to, especially last year, most people probably don't know this, but Drake led him in rushing last year, didn't he? Yeah, Which he probably did. wasn't the best stat for other reasons. But <laughs> <laughs> I don't right. want, if he leads the team in rushing this year, it's not good for the Tar Heels. So let right. me just go ahead and make that statement. But this kid is a phenomenal athlete. If you want to run RPO, quarterback draw, sprint outs, anything, he can not only beat you to the corner, he can shake and bake. He can lower his shoulder. Just a great athlete. He can play receiver physically. This is a big-time player for the Tar Heels. And it's wild because to go with all of that with his legs, I mean, prides himself on his accuracy and, and his arm and how strong it is, too. At, so to that point, Brian, at this point, from what you've seen of Bryce, do you think he's more dynamic as a runner or a thrower? Ooh, that is a phenomenal question. Um, Thank you. I haven't, <laughs> I haven't seen him in live action where he can take a shot. Mm. So that's part of it. Yep. Uh, the ultimate test, and I know quarterback coaches cringe when they hear this, but it's still true, and it's who I learned it from. A quarterback has to be able to look down the gun barrel and still deliver, meaning mm. you're about to get hit. There's no friendly here. You got to do it. Now, that's changed a little bit. If you remember back, like, think about Peyton Manning. He used to, like, he would just go to the ground instead of take the big hit. And a lot of guys do that because they don't want a $100 million guy getting smoked in the ribs. Right. Pump the football, live to play another down. I, I understand. But he has such ability to make guys miss. He's going to be in harm's way a little bit. But I don't think many guys are going to tackle him one-on-one. So I'm hoping for his sake it's used to <laughs> extend the play and just throw the ball. But there are going to be times where you're thinking, man, this guy could be a thousand yard rusher too, because he's such a good athlete. But it, it's just if your quarterback gets hurt, you're screwed. So yeah. I don't know how much he'll maximize that. 25 years ago, if he'd have played in like Mac Brown's offense when, you know, he was at Carolina then, like run an option, holy crap, it would have been a totally <laughs> different deal. He would have ran for a ton of yards 
and yeah. they won a lot of games. So let's. Where's Paul Johnson? Let's go find him. And oh my, oh my God! If he'd had a kid like this at Navy or Georgia Tech, oh, Jeez. I hated that offense with every fiber of my being. But I understand. Oh so, man, yeah. that's hilarious. Now, listen, Brian. You you talked about Carolina getting Bryce uh, Bryce Baker early, but as he continued to, to here's another Fourth of July reference, skyrocket up the recruiting. Man, I'm just laying laying it on thick here. Uh, <laughs> skyrocket up the recruiting ranks and in this day and obviously it's great news for carolina to get him early sure. but in this day and age of man people are just going to continue to come after him especially the higher and higher his profile grows um what is it that mac brown and chip Lindsay and the rest of the staff are going to have to do to hold on to bryce baker just be who they are hmm. mac i think wins more recruiting battles just by shaking his hand and being a nice guy than anything else i've never spoken to a recruit or a parent that said man this mac brown guy what a jerk you know he's <laughs> like literally i've had conversations there's a lot of coaches that are really good at their craft they're just not fun people to be around a lot of people just aren't and even nick saban who's probably not warm and fuzzy he does as good as he can in recruit or he wouldn't have won you know exactly. if you're going to the playoffs at some point it's about my guys better than yours and that's that's why you got to have certain guys but Recruiting is about relationships. Mm. The Tar Heel name and being state U means something to him more than it does a lot of other kids because he's, you know, he lives in North Carolina. But that doesn't mean that like Michigan or Ohio State or somebody else isn't going to recruit him too. So you got to just build that relationship over time. And the other piece is something you're probably going to ask me about. Hey, you can be the centerpiece for our 25 class. Why don't you help us try and that? Because like, I've told people this for years, especially with more people moving down from like New York, PA, et cetera. Charlotte's the hub for the South, for the banking industry. There's jobs galore. That state is a gold mine. If the right coaching staff can harness that, and right now it's all over the map, but everybody recruits North Carolina now because of the talent. If you get the Pied Piper at quarterback, they've got a chance to have a top 10 class in 25, in large part due to Bryce. Well, Brian, you guessed it precisely. That is my very next question to you. When you look at Carolina's recruiting class at 2025, there is one name on it, and it's Bryce Baker. And so how important is it for that to not only be someone like Bryce Baker, but just in general for getting your quarterback as the first guy on, in your class for any class to help build off of? You couldn't have written it any better. Not only is it QB in the most important position in state, very early, and he has a tremendous personality. What what more could you really want? You know what I mean? Like he's going to be able to go to campus. This I'm sure he'll go to a couple games this year. Sure, he'll meet with some of the kids in the 24 class, some of the freshmen, etc. Say, hey, you know, I'm coming. Looking forward to meeting you. And he's in a way goofy as this may sound. He's a lot like Mac. Nobody's going to meet him and go, oh man, this Bryce kid. I don't know about this. What a joker. He's, yeah. 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 He, he's a really easy guy to get along with. So he's competitive on the field, but he's the kind of guy you want to hang out with, go watch, a, you know, go watch a baseball game with, do whatever. He's fun to be around. That's going to sell. And I'll bet you money within the next two to three months. I don't know who it is. I haven't even looked. There will be a wide receiver commit to UNC in the 25 class. I'll bet <laughs> you. Uh, Steak dinner right here, man. What what do you say? I, I got I got Bryce getting a receiver. What do you think? 
Listen, I would not like to take that bet because I you're preaching to the choir on that one. But man, I'd love to sit down and eat a steak together. So uh, yeah, let's make that. <laughs> maybe, maybe we can make it happen. All right. <laughs> now, Brian, there is there is no guarantee that Bryce Baker will come to Chapel Hill in a couple of years and carry on this phenomenal quarterback legacy that's been set by Sam Howe and now by Drake May. But the Tar Heels are going to have to bridge a gap between for two years for for twenty four, uh, or I guess just potentially for next year and then when Baker comes. But um, at the level at which he's rising, knowing that he's still got two years of school left, do you see him rising to that level? And I know I'm asking you to predict into the future, but to those kind of Sam Howell, Drake May heights, can he get there? If he ends up being ranked outside the top 10, just a quarterback in the 25 class, I'd be pretty surprised. Hmm. Again, he has all the right intangibles. He does well in testing, and whether we want to admit it or not, as analysts, because it sells, nothing gets scouted harder than quarterback. Everybody goes to the Elite 11 stuff, even when they don't want to, because they have to. It's what people want to read about. It's what, you know, the video of a quarterback, I've literally put a video of a kid warming up. Not, not a drill, not a drill, but warming up, and it gets 60,000, 70,000 clicks <laughs> on Twitter. It's it's just the way it is. So, yeah. and he's the guy that's going to tell you all the right things. He's going to be very easy to interview and all that. And the arm does not lie. Hmm. He was the best underclassman, in my opinion, at the Atlanta Under Armour or uh, Elite 11. That's a lot of dudes. So he's probably going to end up in Los Angeles. Um, I'm going to go to it next year. I'll, I'll Maybe I'll interview him and I'll bring him on for you. Who knows? Love that. That would be great. Well, Brian. Bryce Baker's going to be great, but as you kind of joked about with our steak dinner a second ago, he needs receivers to throw to. One Absolutely. of those, <laughs> yeah, right. So one of those could be Keenan Jackson, who just recently committed in the class of twenty-four. In fact, he's Carolina's first receiver commit to that class. We're going to talk about Jackson coming up in just a second. Okay, Brian, Carolina got their first, interestingly, first wide receiver commit in the class of twenty twenty-four recently. 6'3", 185-pound Keenan Jackson out of transferred to, at least recently, Weddington High School in North Carolina. And he's a three-star commit, but who cares what stars are on it? Can this dude go get a ball? Yes. <laughs> I like his film for a couple of reasons. Number one, he's a kid that would drive you crazy as a defensive coordinator because there were numerous plays where either the defensive back is right next to him or there's two and he just came down with it. Really good hand-eye coordination. That's the first thing. Two, he's got the frame. He's 6'3", 180, 190 pounds. And then finally, he's just really nimble in space. I was surprised at how well he got yardage after the catch. They used him a lot on screens at his old high school, and he's not a burner. He's not a guy that's just going to run by somebody and run a 4-3-5. But he gets to the point he needs to, jumps up and takes it off your head, and then he just continues on. He's got really good balance, too. Really good football prospect and probably one that will play the boundary spot in a spread. Gotcha. Now, Brian, why? I mean, like, obviously, you love to have the God-given body, right? Like, you can't learn that. But why is it so important to round out that with all these other skills? You're talking about um, great, great size, uh, being able to run screens, blocking with that size, being able to, you know, get some yak and all of that stuff. Why, why is that so important? When you're going up against these spread offenses, defense coordinators don't have many advantages. They love it when you trot out a wide receiver they don't have to pay much attention to because <laughs> they can focus on your on your dude or your dudes. 
if you have a boundary guy that can take the ball off your head and you've got to put, it's really hard to put the second, the free safety to that side. When you're running triangle to the other, you got one guy, you really hope he's not a guy because it's just, you got one guy out there. There's nothing you can do to help him. So that's why he's important. And it's also important that he does some tangibles to help block. I mean, Carolina's had great quarterbacks, but people sleep on just how good their running game was the last several years playing power football. Remember a couple of years ago when they played Miami, they averaged over 10 yards a carry. That's one of the craziest offensive games I've ever seen at any level. That was they were Dante Williams, Michael Carter backfield. Yeah. They just ran, I mean, they ran about three plays. They just executed the heck out of it. And Miami got just whacked. So I think you have to look at it from a big box perspective. Who plays off of each other? He's your boundary. Now Mac and his group need to go get a guy that can really run. Obviously they, Mr. Downs kind of set that bar high <laughs> recently. Holy cow, was that kid good? So He's phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not saying you have to get downs. I, I mean, it would be nice, but they need somebody to compliment him. And the way to do that is just recruit your own state in Atlanta. As long as they continue to do those things, they'll be just fine at wide receiver. Okay, now speaking of which, Brian, you, man, you're just setting me up so well today. This is great. <laughs> so uh, Jackson committed at the end of last week back on June 29th, and this was a massive in-state win. They beat out NC State, Duke, and Virginia Tech. And I know Virginia Tech's not in-state, but like you said with Atlanta and North Carolina, they're also always dipping into Virginia. 100%. Like for Mac Brown, this has been a stated goal. We will win the North Carolina recruits. You're seeing all this stuff behind the scenes all the time with recruiting. Why is this such a big deal to keep winning these North Carolina battles? If you have it going, especially like if you think back to when he was there the first time, they recruited out of state, don't get me wrong, you know, a quarterback or corner like a special player, but they got about 75% of the kids they wanted in state, and they went from a program that was lucky to make a bowl <laughs> to a team that was ranked in the top 15 every year. The state of North Carolina was good then. That was 30 years ago. Now – Oh, my gosh, the, the amount of talent in North Carolina, it's a top 10 state in the country for high school football. It's massive. The population's growing. But if they don't win these now, it makes it harder to get the kids next year and on and on. It, it builds upon itself. It's a building block, especially skill guys. Guys that score, they get headlines, man. Uh, Bryce, we were just talking about him for 25. That, that's part of it, too. But getting him, this is the first receiver. Now you need to go get the receiver, too. Just continue okay. to build. And the Tar Heels are waiting, waiting on some of those, which are a little bit higher rated, like Alex Taylor and Jordan Ship, both That's four-star right. guys. Hopefully they can go land one of those. But, Brian, here's the truth. We just talked about the transfer portal with kind of bridging the gap to Bryce Baker. Carolina has done that this offseason after losing Josh Downs and Antoine Green by going out to get Tez Walker and Nate McCollum. How, how could Carolina, if they aren't able to land Alex Taylor or Jordan Ship, do you think that, using the transfer portal to get these wide receivers, especially given what Carolina has been able to do at quarterback. Is that a viable method to keep the wide receiver position group alive and well, if they don't land it out of the high school ranks? Kids want to see that you're developing kids and putting them in the NFL. Hmm. They don't care if the kids from LA or New York or Miami or, or Charlotte, did he get to the point where I want to go? They've got a new offense coordinator. Uh, Chip's a great guy. Um, I think they'll be just fine there. He understands the vertical passing game. He's going to run an offense that are, that's fun. It's really not that hard at that point. If you can just get some production this year out of those guys, kind of that in-between year, 
you're going to get more of these kids. And if they, let's say they lose ship, I, I have no idea what he's going to do. Sure. That doesn't mean that in December he doesn't change his mind. That's true. This season is the first one for Chip Lindsay in Chapel Hill. That is huge. I, I'm, I cover Miami, and there's a whole bunch of receivers in South Florida that flat out are just waiting to see what they do this fall. Interesting. You know what I mean? I, do you blame them? Yep. I mean, no. no, not at all. It's it's hard to put your future in the hands of somebody else when you're sitting there looking at go, man, they're not very good. Why would I go there? So a lot of kids are waiting. You can't blame them. So nope. this fall will be huge for Carolina, whether they do or do not get some more kids before the start of the season receiver. That's a good word. Wide receiver coach Lonnie Galloway has a great track record of getting these guys and developing them. But man, got to see what Chip Lindsey is going to do with the offense this year. And so, folks, fingers crossed for Drake Mays last year in Chapel Hill and who the Tar Heels will be able to land. Brian Smith, thanks so much for joining us. Great stuff, as always. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it. That's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. That's it for this week of Locked on Tar Heels. My thanks to Brian Smith for joining us today to help talk about these two guys, Keenan Jackson and Bryce Baker. And folks, I can't wait to hear your thoughts on the Elliott Cadeau one and done situation. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. Follow me at Isaac Shade. Send us a longer uh, conversation, LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. We'd love to talk with you there in email. Don't forget to subscribe to the show, smash the like button to let us know you're here, and give us some comments. It's always a great day to be a Tar Heel. I hope it's going to be a great weekend to be a Tar Heel for you. We'll talk to you again on Monday. But until then, peace.